0: Yes, I can hear you on the other end. How bad are they? They're so bad that they've lost eight in a row. They're one and eight overall. They've lost 19 of their last 25 games. They have a rookie starting quarterback, a rookie starting running back, a rookie starting wide receiver. And those are actually some of their better guys. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn. DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. It's Steelers versus Jaguars this coming Sunday at 1.02 p.m. in Jacksonville. And the spread at last check was in double digits in the Steelers' favor, which is rare air for a road team in the NFL under any circumstances. But my guess is that it's only going to widen over the course of the week once people really, really look at this matchup and then see how the line is going to keep drifting into Pittsburgh's favor. And I get it. I mean, they they are exactly what they are. Mike Tomlin has his uh, weekly press conference every Tuesday, of course, and yesterday he spoke. Spent a lot less time on the Jaguars than he usually does on the opponent. For those of you who watch it or listen to it on a regular basis, he will generally go through each team's offense starting offense, even naming the players right across the line, and then switch over to the defense and go through all those players, and he'll tell some backstories about those guys and how he saw so-and-so at his pro Dave 10 years ago or whatever, and we've always really liked that guy, and he's got a motor that just won't quit and so forth. He did almost none of that with Jacksonville. He had a little bit of a a singling out for James Robinson, the rookie running back, undrafted rookie running back out of Illinois State who's averaging 4.4 yards per carry, had a couple hundred-yard performances. Uh, He's been very, very good for the Jaguars, and Tomlin had some things to say about him. Like, you know, everybody in the football world always loves when there's a story like that and so forth. But otherwise, he wasn't going overboard. He wasn't trying to pump up their tires or anything like that. And he did, at one point, take significant exception when he was asked about this possibly being a trap game. You know, I'm not into the trap game discussion. I understand that that's things that you guys like to talk about Um, But this is the NFL, and more than anything, the guys know my attitude regarding that. We are not a Big Ten team playing a MAC opponent this week. Uh, Every time we step into a stadium, we're playing professionals, players and coaches, and we got a ridiculous level of respect for that. And so, you know, write your story, man. Follow your storylines about trap games and things of that nature. We understand what we're going into in Jacksonville, that that's a group that's trying to kick our butt, a professional group, a capable group. And we're preparing with that understanding. Okay, then. Big Ten versus Mack it is. Wow. Sometimes I wonder if he just wings it with those lines or if he comes in armed and ready to fire them off as needed. Thing is, he's right. He's right. Uh, I'm not here to pump up the Jaguars either. I couldn't care less about them. However, they're a team that I've had some fun observing. Over the course of this fall, uh, there's something, you know, maybe it's just the Pirates observer in me that finds fun in watching the team that's supposed to be the worst in the league. And I understand the New York Jets have overtaken everyone in that regard. The Jaguars aren't that. Even though they're right there in the running for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes with the Jets, they're not a train wreck by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to start with this. I mentioned the rookies. Jake Luton is the rookie quarterback who's taken the place of Gardner Minshew. Minshew's been fun. You remember him going back to last year. He, he won some games for them. He also was the quarterback for the Jaguars opener this year where they beat the Colts 27-20, to 20, which now looks like a pretty good W considering the way the Colts have come on. But Luton's come in and played mostly well i mean he had a 300 yard game against houston a couple touchdowns uh, one of them was on the ground he hasn't looked incompetent you know he's had his stretches certainly the second half uh, of their most recent game up in green bay the 24 to 20 loss on sunday uh, he really struggled in the end. He just couldn't complete a pass. He wasn't getting anywhere near the receiver. But he's a rookie. Robinson's a rookie. You look at this team, and you break them down by one thing, this Jacksonville team, and that's this. They don't lose by much. And I know you don't give trophies for that. But I look at their losses. Out of these eight losses, 33-30. to 30, at Tennessee, 33 to 25 at Cincinnati, 39 to 29 at LA Chargers, 27 to 25 to the Texans, 24 to 20 in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They've been right there. Doug Maroney, their head coach, was uh, telling reporters in North Florida earlier this week that he's devastated. With each one of these losses. This is not a team that has quit on anything. These aren't the Jets. This isn't a situation where players are banging the door to get out. It's an almost entirely young group that's scratching and clawing to stay in the NFL. To stay employed. To seize opportunities like the one that Luton's got. Like the one that Robinson has taken advantage of. I'm positive that I'm boring you at this point because we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and they are maybe the least interesting team in the NFL maybe the least interesting franchise they're so uninteresting that you could probably pull football fans across the United States who'd be completely fine with seeing them permanently relocate to London and for the record I'm entirely in favor of that and hope London ends up in the AFC North for personal reasons. Love it there. This is not going to be what people are expecting. I really believe that. I thought the Steelers had a chance to or the Bengals. They did. I thought the Steelers were going to do that to Dallas, and they didn't. You know why? Because the Cowboys were still invested. The Cowboys played really, really hard. I don't know that the Bengals did. The Cowboys did. And that still makes a difference to what Mike Tomlin said. Those are paid professionals down there. It's not a college team. They're lacking skill. They're lacking experience and all that other stuff. But if you're trying hard and the team that comes into your stadium isn't matching that or exceeding it, like the Steelers didn't in Arlington, Texas, yeah, it's going to be a game. It's absolutely going to be a game. And don't be all that put off or offended when it is. When we come back, one thing I'd like to see the Steelers get out of this game besides the result. ours Sunday at 1.02 p.m. down in Jacksonville. I'm flying down there to cover that, as is Dale Lawley, our beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Following all the protocols and all that other stuff, doing it right. It's for work. They say you can travel for work. We're traveling for work. It's what we do. And the one thing I'll be looking forward to more than anything else, especially, especially after yesterday, is to see what exactly the Steelers will have done to solve their running game. And yes, the operative term there is solve because it's a puzzle and a half right now. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett Kelly, and George, They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they are going to do, and it's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been keeping promises for over 80 years right here in our region. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can learn more about them online, too, at lgkg.com. Or give him a call at 888-842-5454. Among the many pronouncements that Tomlin made yesterday about the sorry state of the Steelers running game, he didn't use that term, I am. Not exactly going out on a limb either. Is that James Conner will continue to be his guy. The, The question was, phrased in the form of bell cow because that was a term that Tomlin used back in training camp that caught everyone's attention at the time James Conner is our bell cow he's the, he's the one we're going to hand the ball to Tomlin's response when he was asked if Conner is still the bell cow it was a flat yes does he plan on sticking by him I do And then he made multiple references after that to digging into it, to looking into what's wrong. And yet, and yet, he's clearly entering that equation, that period of introspection or study or whatever it is that goes on this week on the south side with the default mode that Connor is his guy. That tells me that this head coach is looking at this team right now, at this offense, and saying that the best version of this offense, but specifically the running game, is with Connor at running back. That part's already been decided. No hesitation. Again, no flinching, no nothing. It was just, yes. Yes. Okay, Coach, so it sounds like you have at least some idea of what's wrong. If it isn't the running back, and I'm not saying that it isn't, but he is, so let's just go with that. If it isn't the running back, it's either the offensive line or the play calling, and i got to tell you, I'm – I'm torn between the two, but I'm much more inclined to look at the offensive line. I watched that Cincinnati game again. I do that with most games. When you're on the road sometimes, it's a little tough because you spend the next day traveling back to Pittsburgh. But this one I watched again. I broke the thing down. This was some lousy blocking. It was confused. It was hectic. The pulls were blown up and then became chaotic, or sometimes they were just chaotic and blew themselves up. But the single most striking sight out of all of these runs, out of watching all of this blocking, was seeing David DiCastro, Marquise Pouncey, Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Filer, Chukz Okorafor just getting pushed back. They're just physically getting pushed back like there was something wrong there were times when you'd watch them and it looked as if they were setting up to pass block that's the way the footwork would show and then they would just end up one two yards back and that's just enough to blow it all up it is if you're a defensive tackle you just want to knock them back a little bit sometimes because let's say the guard next to them wants to come across and pull now he runs into the other guy's butt. End of play. I can't tell you how many times that happened to the Steelers on Sunday. What do you do? What do you do if you're the coach? You're going to sit David DeCastro in favor of Kevin Dotson? There's no chance of that. None. Zero. I could argue for it, but it wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter what my stance is on that. This is not a good offensive line right now. The fact that Ben isn't getting sacked, and by the way, didn't get sacked on Sunday, is not necessarily a reflection of the performance of the line. Ben was getting knocked down a ton by the Bengals. They came at him hard. I thought Villanueva in particular had a really rough game in that regard. And they can't run at all. But your options are limited. Your options are limited, in large part because of the name brands that you have on the offensive line. What else can you do? What else can you do? Call, call different plays? Sure. I mean, I, I wrote a, a column on the site yesterday about just running forward. You could try that. You could try that. But if your running back is ducking out to the left when he sees a blitzing cornerback coming his way. You know, good luck. Good luck. I, I If I sound like I'm almost unfairly down on the running game right now, it, it's, it's because I am. I don't often look at team facets early in a season or even now a little bit more than halfway through the season and just pronounce them D-O-A. You'd like to think that things can get better. Tomlin's got a lot of work on his hands between now and Sunday in Jacksonville. To keep repeating myself, the Jaguars are not a bad, bad team. Certainly not in the getting out of your way sense. They're not quitting on anything. I don't think it's a situation where the Steelers can just snap their fingers and say, well, let's make our running game better, and, oh, look, here's Jacksonville. We're just going to run at will on them. They haven't been able to run on anybody. Dallas had the worst run defense in the league, and the Steelers couldn't move an inch on them. I don't think there's a simple solution here. I just hope that ultimately the head coach understands that this is important enough that he can't worry about Ooh, what's the term I'm looking for here? Hurting someone's feelings, you know? If DeCastro isn't himself and he's had a couple of injuries going back to training camp, have a talk with him. Hey, Dave, we need you to be fresh for the playoffs or something. But in the interim, we're going to play Kevin Dotson because the best running games we've had all season, we were running right behind him. How about that? James Conner. Look, dude, you run sideways one more time. You run away from a blitzing corner one more time. It's time for Benny Snell football. It's time for Anthony McFarlane. Because this isn't going to cut it. You got to do something. And I would think in this aspect alone, the game in Jacksonville will mean a lot to this group and to this head coach. When we come back, one final thought, also football-related. other news that came from Tomlin's press conference was injury-related. Mike Hilton is expected to be back at practice today on the south side. This is very, very good for this defense. Uh, He has been missed. Not, strangely enough, necessarily at starting nickel, where Cam Sutton has been outstanding, of course, with a Forced fumble in each of the last three games, crazy stat. But in everything else that Hilton does, uh, the tackling, the plays that he just makes on the football, the blitzing that he that he does so well, better than anyone else they have in their secondary, he's just a football player, you know? You miss him when he's not out there. But the other guy that Tomlin mentioned is someone that I think fans either have forgotten about or never even knew he was on the team. And that's the one I'm going to talk about here. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. In normal times, which these most definitely are not, one in seven people in our region don't know where their next meal is coming from. And in a pandemic, the numbers get a lot worse and they're scary. We've seen some of the lines, car lines around the country. We had some of those here in Pittsburgh early on, too, and the food bank addressed them emphatically. And we haven't seen them as much of late. Let's keep it that way. Visit their new website. It's called growsharethrive.org. I'm going to say it again. It's three words, no punctuation or anything like that. Growsharethrive.org. For a limited time, for every $10 you contribute, there's a matching $5. And if you're still with me on the math, $1 is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals, growsharethrive.org. Chris Wormley is his name. If you're just a casual football fan or you're someone who just cheers on the Steelers every Sunday and you know shows up at the neighbors with a towel and all that other stuff here, this name won't mean anything to you. If you pay really close attention to the Steelers or to the NFL, it will. Chris Wormley was a third-round pick in 2017 of the Ravens, and he was able to get into 13 games as a starter the past two seasons in Baltimore. It should tell you something about his pedigree and what they thought of him. They go out and sign Calais Campbell, and that renders Wormley just – Completely obsolete. They had no use for him. And you know what? Calais Campbell would have that effect on almost every defensive line in football. So the Steelers go and get Wormley, having a need for depth at defensive line. And they need to start getting some other bodies in there. I don't know what Chris Wormley can do. I can't say that I ever paid any attention to him in Baltimore either. But I did look at his statistics, his tackle rate, uh, his ability to get into the backfield. He was a pretty decent player. Nothing spectacular. If he was spectacular, he would have been starting all those games for Baltimore. But he was a starter for a team last year that was 14-2. and he was out there. And when I look at the snap counts that we're seeing week after week for Cam Hayward and Stefan Tewitt, especially cringy with Tewitt's history of injuries, they're way too high, way too high. Cam had one a couple weeks ago where he was at 79, 79 snaps. I, just, just so you know, the norm is like right around the low 60s. 79 is an awful lot of football for an interior lineman. That's a lot of wear and tear, and it's a lot of risk. It's a lot of injury risk that you're subjecting the player to. Tyson Alulu is back, and that's great news. That immediately helped both Cam and Stefan. But we're going to need to see more. We're going to need to see more depth across that line. And Wormley's return, again, mark my words. You'll be wondering, what was he talking about on the day that he was talking about it? But if he comes back and has a nice game, this facet of the Steelers concerns me by far the most from a depth standpoint. I can't word that strongly enough, and I'm purposely saying it now while everyone's healthy and available so that you remember it if they aren't when you make that list of who are the players the Steelers can least afford to lose, believe me, Cam and Stephon are really, really high on it, in part because of the depth. Watch out for Chris Wormley and hope like crazy that he gets onto the field and does well Sunday. Thanks so much for listening to this today.